There's no switch to flip when solving for the lack of diversity, inclusion, and equity at agencies. It's not a weekend warriors project. It requires strategy. Bold Culture's approach provides cultural insights for marketing and talent managers. We consult with companies on how to foster inclusion, connect them with diverse talent across the ladder, and we work with our clients to develop authentic multicultural marketing campaigns. When you're unlearning generations of bias, you need a strategy that works for the long term. Want to know where to start? Contact us at info at boldculture.co. Or visit us at boldculture.co. Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. All right, guys, so we're taking a break from watching the Masterclass, which has been... Watching Masters. Watching Masters during the Masterclass. We have been taking in all of, not just the content, I don't even think it's appropriate to call it content, but the wisdom and insight that all of the speakers and panelists have been sharing with us. Um, We have had the honor to... Maybe not just honor, but like we were just in school. We were being schooled by Miss um, Valerie Graves, which, whom we've had on the show, or we've had conversations with numerous times as yes. they are talking, as she spoke about managing your heat, which yeah. is something that she definitely says to us on the podcast frequently. Um, oh, my shoes broke. Especially um, as, you know, basically her thing is once you start to pop, we want to make sure that uh, you're using your poppingness or your poppington or whatever yes. to kind of elevate to the next level. Um, and on that panel, she had Tiffany R. Warren from Ad Color and Omnicom. She had Rakia Reynolds, and she also had the CMO of Visible, which, as you guys may or may not know, is a part of Verizon, uh, Minjay Ormez, uh, who basically just talked about what it's like, what it's been like for them in the industry to grow um, and essentially. Be popular. I mean, like, there was... You want to leverage your popularity, too, you know? Because it's, right. it's, like, your work you want to, you know, be known for it, but you're also doing great work, so how does that leverage your career and trajectory? Right. I think one of the things Tiffany R. Warren said was that uh, thinking about the next step. So it's yeah. not just about being hot and, like, basking in it, which, of course, is fun. Yes. You know, who in doesn't Who doesn't like a couple hundred likes on... In the on, the, on the, uh, Yes, I bask in the sun <laughs> in the Caribbean. But beyond being on the Caribbean, like, you want to make sure that, you know, you're thinking about the next step. Like, how do you get people to notice um, that you are worth more than this moment? So that yeah. was interesting. There were, there were definitely some quotables that were dropped during that one. Um, definitely... And I wrote it down. If you stay too long in the sun, you get burned, which oh, I thought child. was... Well, there's some burn on my back. Yeah, yeah. And then also, um, quoting the notorious B.I.G., stay humble, stay low, um, I thought was... <laughs> TRW is also in the space. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I mean, like, it's, it's one of those things where when you're hot, I think, and you're not self-aware... Right. Yeah. ...that you can, like, it leads to burnout, right? And so, not even just self-aware. Yeah. Like, you don't... Sometimes you're not even self-aware when you get to that place of heat. So, not like, true. that was a really that was a really good panel just to talk about what to do after you have uh, acquired some 
notoriety, yeah. um, which a lot of us are not taught actually what to do, what comes next. It's not about being famous. It's about sustaining your uh, presence and your prominence and being impactful and being an influencer. Because uh, you can't just, inf it's not influence if it's just happening one day. That's it's true. influence when it is something that happens over uh, the course of time. And, 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 you know, that's a great point, too, because if, if we're, we definitely want to keep impact, um, measuring impact as a focal point when you are getting hot. And I think the, the title of managing your heat, when you think about a fire, and I think a campfire is probably the best analogy, where you can't just have a campfire burn all night. Like, you have to keep putting you gotta add logs and add fuel and keep kindling it throughout the night and tonight if you are planning on having a career that has some longevity and has impact and has some heat and some fire behind it you're going to have to figure out strategic ways to kindle that fire and make sure that it continues to grow and that it stays lit 100 percent um in addition to uh managing your heat we also had the pleasure to listen to uh, Sofia Hernandez talk about her growth and experience, um, essentially just being a badass woman, right? So yeah. you go from you go from just being very junior to like the top of an agency, and what is that experience like specifically for a woman of color? A woman of color. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I think one of the the cool things about um, that kind of TEDx talk was bringing in. Um, experiences that happen and one of the things that she talked about was uh, at her first at her first job when she was an assistant account executive um, her task was to be in charge of all the multicultural agencies so the Hispanic the black the Asian agencies and when she was pushing back and basically speaking up to ensure that back then there wasn't uh, you know like a Pepsi situation or h H&M situation mm -hmm. that she was basically um, reprimanded for which we all are right? I mean that's definitely been my experience it, like people always ask like where are the people of color in the boardroom usually there. we're there, there. we're yeah. just being told to shut the F up so right. Ooh, beyond or fired or yeah. left off the pitch yeah. or not invited back or being rerouted. iced out rerouted <laughs> like it's not always just about like nobody saying nothing sometimes like you just aren't being heard. Yeah. You know what it's I love about the like hearing um, all these talks is that, especially from C-suite, the, the journeys are so different. Even though we encounter similar things, like I'm not a C-suite yet, but like you encounter similar scenarios, everyone's journey is different, and they've learned so many lessons to share with. Yeah, with I us. mean, I think you know one of the things that. I, it's probably the re the recurring theme today is transparency, yeah, um, and being able to define your moment through transparency. And everyone is basically giving us a peek behind the curtain and mm -hmm. letting us know how they were able to define their moment and really making it relatable. Because again, to the point where we spoke, we talked about earlier, where there you go to these conferences and you, and you listen to these talks and you're like, mm -hmm. all right, but but where's the real shit? Like, give, right. give, give me the real real that I can actually take back to right. my job at any level, uh, whether I'm junior or mid or senior, and actually apply those those tools that you talked about. Right. And they've all been doing it all day where they're letting us know, like, these are ways that you can These are the physical takeaways. Yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think that part was great. Um, it's been, lunch was, lunch was interesting. <laughs> I, I think my lunch. I was, what'd you have? The salmon. Oh, see, yes, that's what I wanted. The salmon uh, was that's gone. That's what I wanted. Oh, I'm sorry. The salmon was gone. Sure. You had the quinoa, huh? 
They were yeah. like, it's a, it's a, it's a quinoa. What they call it, a patty? No. Uh, I haven't eaten it yet. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. No, but beyond that, like, I think this is definitely. De- Definitely been a really good day, especially in this climate, especially coming off the heels of um, last year, which was really big on women's empowerment through the lens of Me Too. And here we are, and it's not just about them. I think in the past, we've made a lot of these conversations be about the people that we find disrespectful or, or, or being about people that we find oppressive, where this is more like, I've heard a lot more people speak about looking internally. Like, yeah. let's not worry about the man that told you you can't get the job. Let's not really worry about the people around you that are saying that, you know, you are not good enough. What do you think? What do you believe? And what do you want to do about it? it was definitely a reoccurring theme that... Um, I've been processing throughout the day, so I think that's been that's been a, a key takeaway for me. I think that's that's a great point too, because um, the booklet, which there was a car accident, so the booklets weren't delivered. But Gina, when she was talking about what today was supposed to mean, it was about defining the climate that that we're in right now mm-hmm. and realizing that within this 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 chaos, there's space for like limitless opportunity, right. and the only way that you can basically grab hold of that those opportunities are if you look internally and basically figure out how you fit into this space and how you can grab what you, what what is what you deserve in this here moment so I think it's it's such a twofold um, approach and so I, I love that everyone's talking about the internal work that they have to do to basically maximize and grab hold of the opportunities that are out there right now definitely. Well, I think that is, um, we definitely have a lot more to capture while we're here. We have a lot more people to speak to. Um, So we're going to pause here and come back after a short break um, and hopefully get a chance to speak to a couple more people before we close out. All right, so just as we promised, we have quite a few more people that we get the luxury to speak with. Um, Right now, we are uh, speaking with Sofia Hernandez, who just came off stage, is fresh off of giving us, like, the blueprint, essentially, for how you make it to the top. Um, Who also, if you have been paying attention to your internets, uh, or if you follow Fast Company, just released an article about being in the other, other 1%, if you will. (laughs) Sophia, welcome to Mixed Company. We're happy to have you. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you guys finally had me on after all this I will say, that's that's not fair, Uh, but it's not your fault. We talked about having you on the show when we first, first started, but Simeon wasn't even sure if we'd be good enough to have you on the show yet, so I think we've made it. You you would not ask Sophia to be on the show, because you're like, let's see how many more episodes we can get through. He's like, uh, I, don't, so, I don't recall. Uh, well, Please yes, assist. you know, this has been a journey of me recognizing my own worth. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so here we are, defining a moment. Um, I feel like we are good enough, well, I am good enough to oh. have Sophia <laughs> on the show, and so welcome. <laughs> Sim wasn't, sh- Sim wasn't sure that we had enough cooth for his, for his people's yet, so we are excited to have you. Thank you. Also, it was really exciting to read your piece and also hear you on stage. It's, Getting to learn more about you, not just as a professional, but as a woman 
is uh, it's it's inspiring me and it gives us goals. Like we don't know a whole bunch of people um, that look like a lot of the women that have been on stage. So meeting you all and speaking to you all personally has been amazing. Yeah, and so um, your title, you are the chief client officer at Suzy, which is a tell me. Suzy's a tech company. We have a consumer insights platform that people use to do market research with consumers and get insights and results and responses literally within minutes. So in, in, in layman's terms, basically she has the tools that people need to avoid Pepsi and H&M situations because <laughs> basically what they can do is send out a question and get market research in a matter of minutes. Yeah, so you can test whatever you want. You can show imagery, you can show ads, you can show video, and you can pick specifically who you want feedback from. So if you're targeting Latina moms, you can show them a video and say, what do you think of this? And you'll get an answer within minutes. Wow, there are no excuses, people. <laughs> Basically, Actually, that's what's No excuses to try, at least. So that's, that's good. Tell us a little bit about, like, what is it like for you as a woman of color, as a Latina, as a C-suite, as a, a person in the C-suite, to, to have made it to share your story as an individual on a stage? Because it's not the same as a panel. Like, it's you up there, it's the audience, and it's your story. What was that experience like for you? So this was my first experience sharing. Yay. The article that came out yesterday in Fast Company was my first article ever oh, shoot. to be published. So the I'm week's not even, it's just Wednesday. Wednesday. I made, I made right. breakfast yesterday. Right, like I, I made it here. <laughs> so um, I'm not as overwhelmed as I thought I would be, to be totally honest. Mm. I actually feel really good and... I feel empowered and happy that people are responding and reacting to these messages so well. I say it in the article and I say it in my talk, like I wish people would have said these things and would have been much more blunt about where they came from, the experience, what they did on the weekend versus go to the Hamptons. I wish those things would have been more available and out there when I was coming up because I think it would have accelerated my success. Do you quicker. think there was like a, a wall or a reason why people did not share information like that in the past? Because it, like no one's life world is perfect 100% of the time. But I feel to your point, even when we first started out, there were, there were a lot of people not sharing the real, as we call the real shit that we experience in the industry. And why do you yeah. think that is? Um, I guess I'll break it down into two things. One, as people, as humans, we all want to belong realistically, right? We all kind of just want to be accepted, and so that plays into it. And two, when we're in an environment where we're the one in the many, mm -hmm. um, it takes a lot of courage to do that, and you're just trying to survive, mm -hmm. and that's you're taking a chance, right? If you bring your real you to the situation, you don't know which way it's going to go, so you just bring your safe you. Did the C-suite, um, is it ima what you imagined it to be as you, now that you're C-suite? Right, did you get yeah. your, like, official C-suite chain, like your Rockefeller chain, yeah, like and, like, <laughs> did they throw you, like, a whole launch party and open the gates? Like, what was that like? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> so, okay. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> I don't want it anymore. Uh, so it definitely has its benefits. Hiring power is okay. one of those benefits. Um, having a voice and really guiding and shaping the culture of the company 
is one of those benefits. Mm -hmm. And I partner very strongly with our head of people who is a huge advocate of diversity and inclusion and not just talks the talk but walks the walk. And so we partnered together to really build that. And we also have an executive team that believes in it. So I am the, someone mentioned in the audience today, like what if you're the person that's always speaking up and I'm like, keep being it, keep doing it. That's who I am. Mm -hmm. I walked into the room a few months ago so before we made some other key female hires and I said, there's too much testosterone in this room. I'm Which not is a physical thing you can feel, like you can feel you that. Can. It's, it's I'm to like, it's, I'm, I don't know what is happening, but there's too much. <laughs> Make it stop. Okay. Um, what is one takeaway? Like you, you listed quite a few things in the article, and you also on stage of that people should take into account as they are on their journeys. But if there's one thing, if you only had one thing to say, what would be the most important takeaway, or most important takeaway that comes to mind in this moment? Yeah. <laughs> Define um, the moment. <laughs> so, if I could give one piece of advice, I think I'd stick to the know your worth mm -hmm. point because. When you know what you're bringing to any situation, no one, even when you hear the no's, you're like, okay, I don't care about your no because I know what I bring to this situation. I'm going to go to the next person. Mm -hmm. So you'll keep going at it till you get your yes, till you get that salary you want, till you get what you need because you're championing yourself. Mm. Championing yourself yes. is important. Where are you about to start? No, I mean, that's, that's legit. Because I was going to ask, like, what would you scream to your 22-year-old self if the elevator door was closing? And you had to like drop that one gem. I think that's no mixed drinks. No, that also no gin, no gin. Don't do the gin. It's like what do you what do you feel? So you're in the C-suite, and I think uh, Karina was kind of getting at it too. Where now you're behind the curtain. So a lot of people talk about the C-suite, and they don't necessarily talk about what happens up up there as a person with a PNL with hiring power. What do you feel like the, and advocating for diversity and inclusion, what do you, f how do you address the, the pushback, right? Um, because in, in order to, because, because we need to advocate or foster diversity and inclusion, that means that there is some sort of situation happening. What do you deal with the pushback for the people, with the people who don't necessarily get it from your level? Ooh, you want to get me in trouble, Simeon. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we so used no. to getting people in trouble now. Welcome to the, welcome to the chair. Um, so I, I heard two things in that question. One is when you're, at the C, when you're in the C-suite and really in any role, what matters is what you're doing for the company, mm -hmm. right? And if you're bringing revenue into the company, if you're making the company successful, that just opens it gives you more points to do what you want to do, mm -hmm. to say what you want to say, to get what you want to get. And so in any position, especially when you're in the C-suite, you need to be bringing in revenue. You need to be making sure the company's margins are healthy. You need to be financial, bottom line focused. Mm -hmm. um, so I make sure I'm on top of that first. <laughs> Yeah, make sure Get your money's money. right. <laughs> Got it. Right. Okay. Right. Yes. Right. Fair. Right. And then, uh, then I like speak my mind, right? But like, if I'm underperforming, I'm not also going to be there asking for what I want and challenging the CEO, et cetera. Self-awareness. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, there's still a lot of education that goes into play. What is 
I'm really lucky because the place I'm in right now at Suzy, we have a CEO who is very open to these concepts and ideas. And so we'll have a coffee and I'll tell him like, listen, we need to retain our talent of color. And he'll sit and listen and he'll ask me questions and he genuinely wants to understand uh. it and learn and know. Um, I know there are situations where that doesn't happen. Girl. <laughs> I just had a, I have right. I was about to say, yes, we've recently had this this instance where people don't ask questions. You just you sitting there staring at me isn't changing anything. Like, where's the dialogue? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let's discuss why we disagree, and then let's set, let's set up a plan to move forward. Like, what are the steps? Not yeah, I I hear you. Yeah, I think going back to like bottom line. I also couch the diversity and inclusion conversation, how it benefits the company versus me coming off as just like a passionate Latina who wants more Latinas and blacks and Asians and everything in the company. It's like, this is what happens when you have a diverse team and my team alone is full of everything. And I'm really proud of that. Shameless plug to my team. No, that's not a shameless plug at all. That's like, you need to plug that. Like, it works. It, they, there are people single-handedly, double-handedly, or with a team of whether we want to call them allies, friends, mentors, I heard earlier, like, that can actually make things happen because they actively want to see change. So it's amazing to see so many people in one room on one stage that are those people that like to see and make change. Yep. Um, Sophia, thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. I, I finally made it to Mixed Company Podcast. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. So this is going to be a good one. Um, again, thank you. And we'll be, sure, we'll be sure to share the link on uh, the episode as well. So, of course, we're with a legend in this business. Um there's so many things you could say, but I'd rather just lead with pressure makes diamonds and y'all need to go buy the book. Yes. Uh, because it, whatever you can learn from this woman in person, everybody doesn't have the luxury to make it to Harlem for brunch to meet with Miss Valerie Graves. Um, but if you can't, you can always get a hold of the book and have the conversation. This woman it has been named... Uh, one of the most creative or ad ages best in 100 best in advertising she's also um former cco chief creative uh, creative officer at mm -hmm. two at two agencies two. has worked on <laughs> a presidential campaign which yeah. of one of the most popular presidents of uh in the last century in the last at least of our time. Years of our time. No, and he won. I don't think that he was of our time. I think Barack Obama might surpass Bill Clinton now, but 10 years ago. Of our childhood. Of our childhood, my childhood. Sorry. Um, she's definitely worked with some of uh, pop culture's most influential, um, several of pop culture's most influential people. And she quotes Jay-Z. So, I mean... If we can talk, we can talk for days about Ms. Valerie Graves, but I think the best thing we can do right now is welcome her to Mixed Company officially, officially, yeah. officially, not just on a panel, not just uh, at a show, but like on the mic talking to us, kikiing, catching up. Ms. Valerie, welcome. Thank Welcome. you so much for having me. Oh my goodness. So you spoke, you're, you, it's not even a panel. You 
birthed a brainchild of managing your heat, which has been leading our team and several members of the Ag Club of New York um, on this journey to kind of discuss what that means. Um, and for those of you listening, uh, and I'll let you go into more detail, but managing your heat is about what do you do when you pop? What do you do when you pop in? How do you, how do you just take it from a moment to a movement for yourself? How do you go from just being hot right now to being an influencer over uh, the course of your career? Um, and who better to know that than the woman that helped Bill Clinton get elected? <laughs> right? <laughs> well, <laughs> you be like, is this reality? I mean, you gotta, take, you gotta take credit where you can get it, right? Yeah, well, I will claim that. Definitely. Yeah, so can you talk hard. to us a little bit about, like, where did, for you, where did Manager Heat come from? How did you come up with that? Actually, to give credit where credit is due. Okay. okay. Uh, for some reason, I honestly don't remember why I was there. Um, I was in Jay Z's. A regular, a regular Tuesday, <laughs> like, you know, just throwing up the rock sign, listening to some funny, Beanie Siegel. You know, I'm sure he was wondering why I was there, too. Okay. But at any rate, um, I was in Jay Z's office, and kind of in the middle of the meeting that I was in, he took a call from, you know, the manager, I think, of one of his artists. And during the course of the conversation, he said, you know, you gotta learn how to manage your heat. You gotta manage your heat. And it stuck with me partly because, you know, one of the flyers that I took in my career was to go to Motown for a couple of years mm -hmm. and head up creative services. Mm -hmm. And I realized when I was there that the cycle, the life cycle of publicity around mm -hmm. an artist can be very short. It tends to come in, in bursts. And I thought about that just in terms of advertising and with regard to this day, this mm -hmm. masterclass, uh, Women Now, Defining Our Moment, I realized that you really just don't often get any advice about how to make the most of publicity when it comes your way. When you're hot, you know, how can you make that really work for you? Aside from just, you know, like call your mom and say, guess what? Mama, mom, I made it. Mama, I made it. My picture was in the paper. They wrote a story about me, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so we, um, with the help of Erica Riggs, this wonderful panel of women was assembled and they talked about and shared their journey and it shared some of the stories from my own about how to handle those moments when you're hot. Can you, up for a minute. can you tell us um, any moment, because you have a whole bunch, and I know there's some in your book, but is there one story that may have not made it to the book where you had to manage your heat? Well, I mentioned it in today's panel. There was a story that came out about me that I really wished hadn't come out about me. It wasn't, and it was, it's odd because it wasn't anything embarrassing. Uh, when I worked on the Clinton campaign, they, they just drew a bunch of people from disparate aspects of advertising. They interviewed all of us and they put us together and all of a sudden we were a team. So that... That's actually how most resourcing yeah. is done. So that sounds accurate. I was like, yeah, no, I mean, that sounds like a lot of stuff I've been on. Okay. Yeah, now. Um, and it was funny because with all the challenges that the advertising industry faces uh, in creating diversity. Bill Clinton, who really wanted to make it happen, just went right out and got himself a diverse team. We were racially uh, diverse, we were diverse in age, we were, there was diversity of thought, you know, we had people from uh, CBS television mm -hmm. working alongside people like me who came from advertising. But, you know, to get back to that moment, 
I got a call from Adweek. It was an interview. They wanted to talk to me about the Clinton team. Uh, and they got around to saying, well, you know, like kind of who's the, the senior person on this team? And I said, no, we, we really are a team. You know, there's no particular leader at all. Uh, we're all just working together and separately. Donnie Deutsch was working on this as an agency. I was working as an independent contractor. Uh, Linda Kaplan also was working on it that way. And, you know, with that tenacious way that journalists can have, they kind of wouldn't take that for an answer. And said, well, like, yeah, but really, who's the senior? Who's the senior person? And I said, really, there isn't anyone. I'm the oldest. If that's what you mean, at least I think I was actually wrong about that. But anyway, I said, I think I'm the oldest. Who was older, Donnie? Um, no, Bob Squire. Oh, okay, okay, okay. CBS. But at any rate, I was on a shoot in California, and I get a call from some supplier uh, who wanted to talk to me because the front page of Adweek Ooh, said, come on, front Valerie page. Graves is the senior member of oh, the wow. Bill Clinton campaign. Oh. I wanted to shrivel up and die. I mean, here was Donnie Deutsch who owned an agency that at that time was really one of yeah. the hottest agencies in the country. Still a great agency. Well, there's nothing to sneeze at now. Killing it with uh, Ikea. Um, and Linda Kaplan, who had done great things and had gone on, she went on after the Clinton campaign to start her own agency. Mm -hmm. uh, so these were the people who were on the team, Squire of uh, CBS, who basically, when the rest of us were kind of pinching ourselves, we were, I can't right. believe we were there, I said, are you happy? And he said, well, no. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking I, of transparency. <laughs> I said, really, why not? And he said, because I'm the boss of everything that I do, and I'm not the boss of this. Wow. So these were the people. Come on, that, privilege. Like, all of a sudden, Adweek, <laughs> yeah, it was about privilege, right? But all of a sudden, Adweek had leapfrogged me over these people and, and to an insider. It was really kind of a ridiculous headline, and I felt ridiculous to be the subject of it. So um, I had to manage that. I had to uh, talk to people who called me and not make a big deal out of the fact that that was a ridiculous headline, but to really talk about the fact that we were a team really without a leader. And if I was a senior person, it was probably uh, only in terms of seniority on the planet. I mean, amongst friends, we can actually discuss it. You're probably the best person on the team anyway. <laughs> in retrospect. But, you know, I won't tell if you won't tell. We don't, we don't want to hurt no feelings today. But well, Donnie brought a whole agency, so, you know, it, was, it wasn't exactly fair. I had me and a partner that I, I brought on, you know, paid as a subcontractor. So Listen. it wasn't a level playing field, but mm. I feel all right. It's okay for you to be at the front. Come on, black woman. <laughs> Well, okay. you know, I, it was more an, uh, more of an accomplishment mm -hmm. for me to be part of the team, and yeah. I will claim that you know, than it was for him with an agency. Definitely. Yeah. I think, so, like, the management is even even more now because with social media and you posting and, and you can, all these publications and even getting to people, it's very easy. So your first can happen really quickly and, like, how to make that last when everybody's doing that. It's actually like when you manage that, it even takes more because anybody can say, oh, you know, this is really good insight or it can have an adverse effect. And to, to that 
point, how do you manage not burning out, right? Because especially now for our generation, everyone's worried or, or focused on maintaining their profile, right? And so this is making sure you're on panels, making sure you are taking on um, extra projects outside of work, um, managing your social media, maintaining this, this, creating this brand for yourself. What would be your advice to basically us <laughs> who are like, multitasking and we're the slashers, we're this, we're this, we're this. Um, how do you manage your heat and not basically burn, burn out? Well, um, I, have, I have a saying that my enemy is not age, it's irrelevance. Mm. And okay. so my commitment is always to remain relevant. And you know, as Dr. King said, we all can be great because we all can serve. That's really been true in my career. Everything that I've ever done to try to help anyone else in this industry has turned out to be the key to making me more relevant. Mm. And that remains true now. You know, I feel uh, relevant to this industry because I was here doing this panel today. Um, writing the book has done that for me, and that's that definitely has been a case of having to kind of manage the heat, keep it going. Uh, it's been two and a half years since my book came out, and that's, that's a pretty long life cycle for a book still to be generating speaking opportunities and, and that kind of thing. So I'm pretty happy with the way I've managed to, to manage that. Maybe Shonda Rhimes will pick it up, and then you'll be... TV show. A home movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I watch that. You be the advertising <laughs> Olivia Pope. She's out here fixing everyone's campaign. I'm, I'm trying to be the only member of my family that is not jacking my nephew, the film director, to, you know, like, put me That'd on the That'd be the, the main screen. person, so, so we don't know. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Hey, remember who helped you when you were okay. starting out, nephew. <laughs> Listen, again, you have to, sometimes you have to make sure to give credit where it's due. <laughs> Well, definitely, we, we continue to give you credit where it's due. You've been on several of our lists. We've talked about you on several of our uh, episodes. Um, obviously, individually and collectively, we've had our own personal time with you. Um, you've made sure to let us know to manage our heat, especially in the last, I guess, year and a half. We've definitely picked up. So thank you for your influence. Well, thank you for making me Auntie Valerie. You, I mean, listen, you for, real, you for real. You for Listen, you are family. You put me up there with Auntie Valerie. We have food. We have food in your house. We are family. Yes, oh, this is true. You know, and you have to come to the house again. We've got to do that. Listen, I don't cook listen. anymore, so I will be there. You let me know when you're ordering. Listen, you know what? You know why you can come back? Because I remember you. Oh, not I clean only up. Eat, you clean up. I clean that up. That was amazing. I clean up. You're not gonna talk about me when I leave. Mm -mm. <laughs> no, I would have talked about. It was totally I don't know unexpected. that. Unexpected. <laughs> you women came and, and hooked mm -mm. it all up. It was great. I said, y'all not going to wash these dishes? Oh, okay. <laughs> she not going to be talking about me when I leave. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so definitely invite us over. Maybe we can get you out uh, to Brooklyn. And, and if Karina can get any of us to the Bronx, that'll, that'll be a feat in itself. <laughs> the Bronx is closer to me. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. I'm, you have to come to the uptown. Listen. <laughs> She's the Midwest but style. Brooklyn so is that's the capital yes. of the world. So, yes. you know, I will be. Even the basketball world, which is breaking my heart now. Oh, <laughs> all right, Ms. Valerie. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for yes. teaching us all about managing our heat. And we'll be back with more interviews after this. So 
as promised, we have more interviews. Um, you guys heard us speak earlier about uh, basically confidence and that there are different levels to confidence that we were not necessarily aware of prior to coming to the masterclass. Uh, we spoke a little bit about um, the confidence and political confidence. You have your, intel uh, your in intellectual confidence as well as relational confidence and how once we actually heard that part of the masterclass from Maya Roberts, um, we actually had to take a step back and like kind of look at ourselves in the mirror and discuss amongst ourselves, yeah. well, what do we le lean into individually? Um, which at that point I was like, oh, I guess I'm not really not good at the political game. <laughs> so luckily for us, we're going to get uh, a quick uh, learning, if you will, or a quick uh, tutoring session, if you will, from the masterclass, we have Maya Roberts here with us. Yeah, welcome. Maya, welcome to Mixed Company Podcast. Thank you. So glad to be here. Which you also mentioned, this is your first podcast. This is my first. Well, I guarantee you this will be your best. <laughs> since you have no Better point of reference. How many more I do. <laughs> exactly. Since you have no point of reference, it should always be like this. And if it's not, it's not great. Okay. Um, but yes, tell us, before we start to talk about your masterclass session and essentially all of the... Um, great insight that you were able to give to everybody in the room, and of course us here uh, with Mixed Company. Can you tell tell us a little bit about your background? Okay, so my background is um, very interesting. I started out in the corporate sector, actually. Uh, I wanted to be a, in finance and Ooh. make money, right? Okay. Um, and then I went to uh, participate in a seminar uh, that at that time was called Effic the Efficacy Seminar for Minority Corporate Professionals. So it tells you a little bit about, you know, corporations don't talk about uh, right. people of color as minorities. At least I hope they don't uh, anymore. And um, that experience changed my life. It was a nine-day seminar. And I thought at the time that I didn't want to go to any more seminars about affirmative action and <laughs> awareness training. And I was getting not get, was getting, I was weary of um, going to training sessions that meant that I needed to learn how to get white people to do things. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Jesus. So the T that is, that's why we started that this podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. You're, we're in good company. Okay, continue. <laughs> okay. So this, this, the training was focused on the, the concept of development. Mm -hmm. and that there are two ways of thinking about it. One is that some people have it and some people don't. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's the fixed way of thinking about you come into the world with so, you know, there's some very smart people, some sort of smart people, and mm -hmm. some kind of dumb people, and that it applies to individuals and to whole population groups. So, Got it. Um, and there's a lot of those signals in our you know, in our world, starting when we first come out of the womb, almost. Mm -hmm. um, but this was a different belief that we could choose, which was, and now is actually supported by neuroscience. Okay. This is that intelligence and other important human characteristics are malleable, meaning you can shape them. You get smarter through the action of effective effort. Hmm. So These are meant, smart people things. Keep going. Okay. So, so that meant my people, everybody who looks like me, and people who have been historically held down or marginalized 
had access to everything that everybody else does. Mm -hmm. So if getting better, stronger, and smarter intellectually, politically, socially is accessible to me and my people, mm. then what, what's, the, what's the trigger? What is it that drives effort? Mm. And what drives effort is confidence, your mm. inner conviction that you can or can learn to do whatever it is you need to do. It's so interesting. There's a book that I've been that I was given a few years ago uh, by a mentor, which I realize a lot of people read. But it's the title is it's not how good you are; it's how good you want to be. And it also talks about how it's more about your confidence. Like, do you want to do this? Are you committed to doing this? How good do you feel about you're doing it? Not where you train. Doesn't matter if you're trained. You can learn on the job. Yeah, yeah. You can you can learn on the job. You can learn in whatever way you learn. Mm -hmm. We don't all have to learn the same way. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's very freeing and it's very scary too because that means that if you fail, you can't quit. Right. You just need to find the effort that's going to work for you. So, <laughs> no, and, and that's a theme that we kept hearing today about being resilient. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the confidence is kind of one of those drivers for resiliency yeah. because if you know that you can learn and grow, then you have that thing that's pushing you to get back up when somebody knocks you down or if you get knocked down. Oh, absolutely. And it, it puts a diff different shape on who you choose to be around you. Mm. Preach. Because if confidence goes up and down, then what is it that causes confidence to go up and down? Right. And it turns out that one of the most significant variables is the impact of people who are around you. Hmm. significant others and significant others don't have to be people you like or who like you they just have an impact on how you think about yourself hmm. Hmm. sermon okay <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, once I went through that experience I came out of there thinking my god if I thought I was bad then how much could I how much where could I have been if I had truly believed mm. when I was younger and going through school that I could get smart in anything I wanted to, that my sister could, my uncle could, um, that all those people who said, you know, you come from a family where this person ain't nothing. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, you you know what I'm talking about. I do about know what here. you're talking about. Yeah, um, that all of that is garbage. I and have I have that. I think I have that thought frequent, like more frequently in like the last year of like, dang, like if I would have just believed this much more in myself, or if I would have just not listened to negativity, what could you? What could I have accomplished yeah. in that time? What more? So, mm. so you, you can pick and choose now. I, I want to make sure I don't blame people because sometimes it's people who love you that get fearful Yeah. when you start finding your heat. That's one another. Yep. <laughs> you know, when you start succeeding, then they're afraid that somebody out there is going to knock you down. And so they say, you know, baby, you don't Try need to Try to protect you there. from that. So sometimes those negative messages about what you're capable of come from people you love. Right. So it doesn't mean you have to cut yourself off from them. It just means, as a friend of mine said, you just make it a space and time consideration. Mm -hmm. like, what does that mean? Well, people who talk to you and help you understand how you can get what you want, right? Mm -hmm. the, where you come out saying, wait a minute, yeah, I can do this. 
you give them more of your time and you shorten the space between the times you interact with them. So you bring them closer to you. Mm -hmm. And then the people who make you feel or question your capacity to get things, important things done or to learn, you put more time and more space <laughs> so you don't see them all the time. You see them Sometimes, every now and then. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you gotta take them in tablespoons that. and teaspoons right. even. Yeah. Don't rain in my parade. And so, so that's why I changed careers and decided I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. um, my children, my people. And now, you know, I've broadened it to, you know, you think we all, we all have to live in love. Mm -hmm. And so embracing this notion that if you don't have confidence, you know, what do you do when your, conf you, your confidence is short supply? Mm -hmm. Get help, get support. Mm -hmm. So if you don't believe in you, you can borrow my belief in you. Mm -hmm. And then when you work hard and you see you get an outcome, you see that your effort produced a different result. Then you have confidence of your own. It's the evidence that you actually could learn because you did. Now you don't need to borrow mine because you got yours. Right. So what do, what do you... Because in, when, you, when you say that, I think about the actual opportunity to, to see it, come to see it manifest. What do you say to people who may not feel like they have the opportunity to like, uh, see, their, see, their, um, see the out, output of their actions? I don't, I don't know if that's making sense, but like... Mm -hmm. The people that, like, and, and, and doubt themselves that heavily right. that they can't get to that but point. I think also to contextualize it, so people who are trying to get into advertising because they feel like this is the industry that they want to be in, but yeah. they never actually get the job, right? Right. So to build up that confidence, what do you, how do you motivate those people to, I guess, build up that conviction so you when you never down, had the opportunity? Oh, yeah, you break down the steps. Mm. So you want the job? Okay, let's talk about how you can get the job. Do you know the right people? Mm. Make okay. it simple, right? yeah. Mm. Do you know the steps you need to take? Do you know what you need to learn? Um, did you take that class in advertising? Well, you know, you don't have to go to the university. You can take this one over at the community college, and it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. Just as good, and it's cheaper. Strategy. So, yes, you find somebody who can help you break down those steps. Like, I'm bumping into a brick wall. I've had 15 interviews. None of them have produced results. I need some help figuring out what I'm doing wrong because I know that I can do this. Mm -hmm. I just need some help figuring out how. Mm. So it's about how, not if. So you spoke to three different types of confidence, which I mentioned earlier. So you have the intellectual, political, and, relation and relational. Can you break down for us the difference between the three of those um, ways yeah, to be confident? Yeah. So confidence has to do with intellectual pursuits, and that's the one that, that is, seems to be the one that, that in our culture, you know, in the U.S., is the one that everybody grabs onto. How, are you smart? Mm -hmm. You know, even, the, even the, the, the folks on the corner, it's like, don't insult my intelligence. Yeah, no, mm. that's probably the worst thing you could do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I ain't you must stupid. Think I'm, I'm stupid. not stupid. <laughs> I'm yeah. not stupid. stupid. Right. Right. Nobody. It, so you don't want to attack anybody's intelligence. So mm -hmm. it's the belief that you can or can learn. If I don't know it now, I can learn it. 
So that's uh, intellectual okay. confidence, the belief that you can learn. Yep. Um, political confidence, and I think about this as the as a small p, meaning that you know we you know that just being the smartest kid in the class doesn't get you success, because you see people who don't are able to do the same things you do, mm -hmm. but they're getting the promotion or they're getting the job because they know what they know is not just what you know, it's who you know. And right. that's the political piece of it, where you are identifying who are the decision makers, what is it that they're responding uh. to, how can I establish and influence that person to do what I need in order for me to get that job in advertising. Mm. Oh, okay. So it's about the use of influence. Got right? it. The capacity to get to a desired outcome um, that, that, that you, you can figure out how to do that. You may not know them now, but you can figure out how to, how to know them and how to establish a relationship with them. I feel like that is one that a lot of people of color that I meet struggle with. Mm -hmm. It is the, and I think part of it has to do with the fact that we're dealing with people who aren't like the people that we grew up with. And so we're, we may not feel fluent enough to navigate those situations or to influence people who are not like us. But it's it's interesting. How do you how do you? Well, because well, we didn't yeah. get to the third oh, yeah, one. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, be, I, I jumped. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite all right. Two out of three. It's not bad. But ironically, I think it might even be beyond people of color because yeah. even in the room, when you ask people what their strong suits were, the least amount of people in this very diverse room right. raised their hand for political. Right. So tell us about the third one as well. So the third one is relational or social. It's the thing, you know, it's the reason why we are uncomfortable going to a party where we don't know people. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, or going into environments where we don't know people. But, but uh, relational confidence is I can go anywhere. I'm a citizen of the world. Mm. And I can establish myself as a person to be respected and valued, that I'm worthy of that. I will carry myself that way. I will respect other people that way. And I, I, know, I have this, I can build the skills to do that. Got it. And so that's, those are the three. Intellectual, meaning you can, you can perform at any level. You can, do, you can learn, you can do it, or you can learn how. Political, I can identify who the people are that are making decisions and that I can influence the decisions they make. Which is so very different than relational, which, which is, is more about your social, your interactions right. and engagement. And that I'm worthy and I don't know you yet. And moreover, you don't know me yet. Mm. <laughs> and when mm. you do, you want me around. That's not my strong one. I'm, I got to get that one. <laughs> that is not my strong one. What was your question going to be now? I, I, well, I, <laughs> I, I think one of the things that kind of keeps coming back up is like there's a lot of self-work that needs to happen mm -hmm. in order to uh, to define your moment, to to raise these levels of, of confidence. Um, what do you say is like the first step to that if you may not – because we – our target audience is all over the world. They may not have access to people like you. Mm -hmm. What is the first step in that self-work that people need to do to raise these, these confidence levels? 
Well, they just need to listen to your podcast right. first. Okay. <laughs> yes, that is exactly the first step. Hey, I've been sitting here this afternoon, and I've learned a lot from each of the people that you've mm-hmm. interviewed. Um, and to know that this is possible. Mm. That there's more than one, you know, in the area of sports, there's more than one Serena Williams. Mm. As we are starting to see more and more. There's more than one May Jameson. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. moreover, she can do it. I can do it. She figured it out. She was the first one. I need to know what she knows. She found that. When you start with, what if this were true? Hmm. Then how would I do it? The question is always how. I love that. I love that. And that's where you start looking for how. And then when you start looking for how, Where could I get help? Uh Now you start looking at people differently. Uh Now it's not whether they like you and value you, right? You're not trying to impress them. You're checking them out. You know how babies look at you Mm -hmm. and they do not blink. They don't. They're trying to understand why does your hair look... Is that the way it's supposed to look? Okay. They just be in your soul. And it's unblinking. Yeah. Because they're trying to see who you are mm-hmm. and whether they like you. Yeah, they're judgmental as And if as they all decide hell. that, I think you, I like you. They'll let oh, you hold them. They will let you right. hold them. But if they don't like you. Oh, we about oh, to scream. They're screaming. <laughs> so, so, but they're making an assessment for them. Mm. And they take each and every person and make that assessment. And you will find when you start looking at people as human beings as opposed to what they look like on the outside, Mm. that you'll start to see more people and people from unexpected places that are willing to help you. Mm. Mm. So you just have to believe. You start with, it's possible. All I have to do is figure out how and who can help me. I love that. Well, Maya, thank you so much yeah. for si- for sitting next to us on the couch yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> and, and, and helping us to kind of change our lives in this moment. <laughs> Fix, fixing some lives. So I was like, we will be staring in the mirror once we get home and evaluating our own selves. <laughs> thanks you, thanks to you. Gonna do. You're going to stare in the mirror and say, yeah, I'm all that and a bag of chips. That Come is funny. To, <laughs> that is so funny. Yes, I used to get in trouble for that as a child. I'm going to say it as a grown woman. Yeah. Who's going to stop me? Well, thank you so much. This yeah, was a great you. conversation. And really, like, it was great to get like the tutoring session of what you talked about earlier. Because yeah. I think we could all use a lot more confidence that we can do. I mean... Confidence can get you to the White House. So, listen. Like, <laughs> well, you know what? That's a different podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back with more discussions after this. All right, guys. So, we are at the end of the... T- we <laughs> see we are at the end of the 2019 masterclass for the Advertising Club of New York. It has been a day filled with all kinds of wisdoms. So, with that being said, I think the last person that we actually heard speak was actually Shante Bacon. Who, um, yep. for those of you that don't know who she is, she is literally um, just entertainment, advertising, experiential marketing royalty 
Um, she's really I in the room remember. too. <laughs> you, she's listening to us talk about her right now, which is fun, right? I remember. She's like, oh yes, yes, that is me. So I remember. I remember learning about Shantae when I was in college. So being able to hear that story now, ten years removed is really um, impactful. So just talking about being an entrepreneur, what it takes to actually close the deal, how to make sure and sit there quiet because the first person to speak is the loser. <laughs> I felt like that was probably, that's going to be in my next negotiation training. I'm like, just you go watch. <laughs> and I'm away. Um, so that was good. And then I think what's up next, right after we close, is going to be the unveiling of the 2019-2020 Fellowship, uh, uh, Advertising Club of New York Women's Fellowship. Um, so we are closing out, Karina and I are closing out the 2018-2019 class um, and welcoming in a new cohort of ambitious, motivated, pop-in, fly, um, and intelligent women. So I'm excited to see whomst. I've been using Oops. that. I've been using that since the since Oops. the daggone me <laughs> they've chosen. Um, but this day has been great. It's been absolutely yeah. amazing to hear everyone. It's passing the baton, like as a fellow, and and to see, remember how far we've come is pretty amazing. And it's been an amazing day. I mean, it's always is. And I think after this is the fourth master class, or I don't know, this is. You just making like, stuff up. I know. I'm just we like, got <laughs> Tiffany Edwards, the OG here. So, <laughs> Tiffany, is this is this is this the fourth? It's the third. It's the third. Oh, it's the third masterclass, and each year it gets better. <laughs> Done. So, so good. So good. We're here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we hope that you guys enjoyed hearing all of our uh, interviews. Hope that. You heard it here first. You got. You need reminders. We hope you guys enjoyed all the interviews. We hope you guys obviously come back for um, the next set of episodes we have coming up. And hopefully, more than likely, quite probably, we'll be having a few of the speakers that we heard from today on the show to round out um, our 2019 uh, season. More yeah. things ahead. Thinking ahead. All right, y'all. So enjoy the rest of your day, whatever day part you're listening to. But we are out. Mm -hmm.